And I'm sure for you, that's how you got into your career. You know, that's how you got at this level in your career, whereas a bunch of other people perhaps aren't at that level that that you even started with. And it's because of your ability to constantly push that boundary. And I think we so often take that, take that for granted, you know, or we think about it and we know it, but we don't take action on it. You know, I know a lot of people that say they know that, but they aren't doing the actions that sort of reflect that knowledge. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the second part of my interview with Dane Miller. My name is Jonathan Cottrell. You're listening to Developer T. In the first part of our interview, we discussed some of the hardest problems that I have faced, some of the hardest problems that Dane has faced in his role as a director of technology. I hope you'll go back and listen to that part of the interview and stick around for the second part of the interview today. Thank you again for listening to Developer T. I'm going to get out of the way and get this interview rolling. So let's let's prove this theory. Let's talk a little bit about uh, about how grit kind of plays into uh, sure. the the ability to succeed. Um, so you are the director of of, of technology at Midroll, and Midroll is responsible for consuming millions of podcast feeds. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So uh, if you can kind of rewind and uh, give us give us a little bit of backstory. Uh, as to how you got to where you are today? Well, I think the most, you know, I get this question a lot from students that that are interested in getting into web development for the first time. I, I work with a lot of people that are in other industries, like they're, they started as a lawyer or something like that, and they, they want to transition to web development. And I always give them the same answer, which is, you have to change before your situation changes around you. So for me, I grew up in North Carolina in sort of a, a, a lower class environment, like a, sort of a negative environment. And when I graduated or when I dropped out of college, I dropped out and then moved back home with my parents and I was there and I, I really wanted things to change for me. But I, I had to come to the like hard realization that unless I changed the environment that I was in and changed myself, nothing would change for me. So I basically ended up selling some of my stuff and moving to Chicago. I didn't know anybody in Chicago, but I ended up finding somebody on the internet that I could meet. And I ended up staying on his couch for a couple months. And, you know, through this type of radical change in my life, I've been able to understand that the more we thrust ourselves out of our comfort zone, the quicker we can achieve the most ridiculous goals. That's by far the like most, if if there was a formula, that's kind of it. Um, And so if you can kind of, um, harden yourself to, to change in weird ways throughout your life, even if it is, you know, perhaps going a day without eating. You know, if you can just find little strategies to harden yourself to change over time or push your comfort zone, I find it's just easier and easier to succeed. So for me, it wasn't hard after that to get a client. You know, it wasn't hard after that to get my first job. It wasn't hard after that, you know, to do other things and get other jobs. As long as I had that mentality that allowed me to just kind of totally uproot my entire life. If I had that mentality, I knew I could do anything. And, you know, that that might be a strange sort of uh, relationship I'm drawing between these two things, but it's really not for me because I experienced it. You know, when you when you uproot your whole life, you kind of experience this transformation, um, especially when you're moving from an environment you've been in your whole life uh, yeah. to, to something completely different. So I, I just kind of took that energy and, and used it, to be honest, and I, I got my first job as a front-end developer, and i so passionate about JavaScript and still am and responsive design and stuff like that. Um, and we did a lot of great work there and just kind of continued to, to apply for opportunities. And that's one thing I tell students too. I say, 
how many jobs, so they'll come to me and they'll say, I want to be a web developer. And I'll ask them, how many jobs have you applied for in the past month? And if the answer is less than five, then I know they aren't serious. (laughs) Yeah. So I have literally applied for maybe 150 opportunities in, in the course of three years. And that's how I, you know, got the opportunity to work at the White House as a presidential innovation fellow, just purely because of the volume of opportunities that I applied for. Mm. So many people I know don't apply for things because they don't think they should have them or can get them. There's all this weird guilt and doubt in their brain. Yeah. And I understand that. I deal with that every day. But you have to kind of thrust yourself out there. And, you know, I still remember this moment, this pivotal moment in my career. I didn't, I hadn't have a, had a job yet ever. I had a freelance client. I had just moved to Chicago and I was like kind of nervous about the future, right? It was very unclear. And sure, I, was, yeah. I was walking to my interview for my first job and I was on the street and I was walking there across this bridge and I was about to not go because I was so nervous, man. And I didn't know if this, you know, in my head, I was doing that thing of if this job doesn't play out. I might have to move back home. And that was so Mm -hmm. painful to me. And so in my head, in that moment, I just, there was a switch that flipped and I said, what's the worst that could happen? And then I just visualized them saying no to me. Like I just visualized that. And there's just this switch flipped. And I was like, Mm. that's not that bad. And I went and it, it, because I de-stressed, it wasn't that bad. And I did pretty well. And I, I failed that interview and I failed the next four, but I eventually got one. Right. Mm. So it, it's like this persistence and this consistency that I think is so powerful. I think that's what a lot of people are missing. I talk to a lot of young kids and a lot of them either aren't putting in the hours or they aren't applying to enough opportunities. Those are probably one of the two biggest problems I see. Yeah. The, the research 100% backs this up, by the way. So I want to zoom in on a few, uh, a few things that you said that are, that are particularly relevant and will be for literally the remainder of, of anyone who's listening to this podcast, the remainder of your career will be affected by these things. Um, one of the first kind of keywords that I want to zoom in on is comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So uh, effectively, our brains, we were talking about this earlier, our primitive brains view change as a potential threat. And so our comfort zone is... Uh, based on this primitive idea that as long as we are safe now, the things that are around us are good, right? Yep. Uh, the things we have experienced up until this point are not threatening. We can continue to sustain our life. Uh, and, and if you think back to prim- primitive times, it's like, okay, well, I, I just built a shelter and it's been safe for a hundred days. So, mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's training me to believe that on day 101, it will probably continue to be safe, mm-hmm. right? And your primary form of of thinking is protection and, you know, avoiding risk. And that's what your brain is programmed for because the, the cost of uh, a predator coming and tearing down your shelter and eating you is death, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a, a, a immense cost. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, our brains are wired to be, um, and this is kind of the, at least the hypothesis, our brains are wired and research shows that our brains are wired uh, to be extremely loss averse. We're, we're terrified of loss, uh, more so than we are excited about gain. But the, the, uh, the magic question that you said, Dane, is what is the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. So something I like to do now uh, when I when I think about you know 
for example, if I'm going to spend a little bit of money on something and I'm kind of afraid that if I spend that money that it, it will have been lost, I'll have buyer's remorse. So I get a little bit afraid to spend the money. And this keeps me from going on you know, a trip that I want to go on. Mm-hmm. And I look at that opportunity and I think to myself, okay, what is the worst that can happen? And I take some time to really uh, almost meditate. Mm -hmm. And and that's exactly what you did in that job interview. You said, I pictured them saying no to me, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Meditate and imagine in very clear detail the worst possible scenario. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is you're creating a familiar context of failure where you feel safe. Mm -hmm. And your brain finally recognizes that the, the threat is not nearly as uh, as grave as a predator tearing down your uh, your shelter. And I think at its most basic form that everybody can benefit from, like you mentioned, is just this meditation and visualization of the fear, of the, the worst case scenario. Because again, like you said, it's probably not as bad as you think. But I, I also, nowadays, I do a little bit more of uh, actual writing this down. Um, so in the four-hour work week, he calls this fear setting. Right. Where you have multiple columns. Right. And I'll do a call and I do this with business now. You know, I'm trying to to launch these businesses and these different things. And I always do uh, a column that's the worst case scenario. And then the most important column, the next column, which is how can I get back or reverse the worst case scenario to get back to right where I am now? Mm -hmm. And I find that, you know, most things are easily reversed, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that to be very powerful, too. And because it's you're using more, basically you're forcing your brain to walk one step further mm-hmm. than than your intuition is willing to walk. Right? Oh, like what, well said. I think that was just fantastically said. Like the, I feel like there's so many people who meditate, but one of my mentors one time told me he does business meditation, which he describes as in his head he'll take a problem and think multiple moves deep on it. So what he'll do is he'll take yeah. a problem and he'll say, okay, well, let's say this goes bad. Like, let's say I call this person to, to, to sell this advertising client on something, but let's say they don't want it. He'll do business meditation and actually walk through the whole scenario like a game of chess. And I feel like people don't do that. I've never heard anybody else in my entire life tell me to do that. And I remember the profundity of that statement and going mm-hmm. home that night and saying to my, making a list of all the problems I have in my life and doing that mental chess and being like, how can I solve this problem? Let me think for 40 minutes on each of these. What are all the moves wow. I can make? It's it, yeah. very powerful. And most of the time you're going to find that the the problems you have, first of all, um, are, are typically easily solved. Yep. Uh, but secondly, you've got uh, there, there are more ways to win a chess game than one set of moves, right? Like Dumb, you have yeah. so many moves in 40 minutes that you can actually determine for almost any problem that you're facing. And it's like that quote, you know, the same level that caused a problem can't solve it. The same level of thinking that caused a problem can't solve it. That, I think that's why this works. When, you, yeah. when you're in the midst of all these problems, you can't necessarily solve them. You know, even for our management job and some of our day job stuff, doing this thing where you sort of, uh, a lot of management calls this um, going on retreats where they'll go away mm-hmm. for a couple of days and spend that time really thinking deeply about mm-hmm. these types of topics. I find that to be to be helpful as well, to even to go away, like maybe even uh, go to a hotel or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and once again, all the stuff you're saying is like super good heuristics 
and that point to really solid research. Uh, hmm. the, the idea of going away, you're provoking your brain um, to, to take in something new, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that you're basically saying you can't be lazy here. This mm-hmm. is a new place. This is a new environment, and I'm going to basically fire the engines up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you're in your normal routine, then your brain effectively receives the signals of this is normal, and I can do what I did yesterday, and once again, be safe, right? Yeah. Your brain's ultimate motivation is energy uh, energy management, like doing the mm-hmm. least possible thing uh, to get by, and survival, yeah, I never thought of it that way, but you're totally right. When you when you go to that separate location, you're kind of kicking your brain into overdrive just from that change. Yeah, and yeah. I always I modeled that a little bit off of you know Bill Gates calls it his reading vacations. He'll go to mm-hmm. a hotel and bring a stack of books, and the hotel could be right next to his house or whatever, like in L.A. or wherever he lives. He you know in the article he talks about that, and I found that so interesting. I was like, why would he change environments just to go read? But yeah. <laughs> it's to think, you know, it's yeah. to read and think is my hypothesis. Well, and uh, it's kind of like that story. I can't remember who the author was, but they they found that they were particularly effective at writing when they were on a plane. And so hmm. um, they bought themselves a two-way ticket uh, to, or it may have been a one way, I don't know. It doesn't really matter, but, uh, to Tokyo from, from Los Angeles. And hmm. they wrote an entire book on the plane. I've heard and of this. I don't know where I heard this, but I had heard We'll have that. to look it up. That and, was and so cool. In the show notes. Yeah. It's such a cool idea. That's so but, cool. But the, the concept is how, how valuable is a book, yeah. you know, and, and if the investment is a plane ticket or if it's, uh, you go to a hotel, go on a retreat with your company, yeah. you know, what you're buying isn't the retreat. You're not buying a trip to Tokyo. You're buying yourself that, that whatever the weird thing in your brain is that makes planes the perfect place to write. Maybe you don't have a, a super good control or understanding of what it is, but if you find it, mm-hmm. use it. You know, th- that's another tool that you can use to your advantage. And I guess that goes along with creative, um, boxes, like being in a, in a little bit of a restricted, having bounds put on you increases your creativity a little bit. Do Uh you find that at all with programming or with management? Well, I'll say this, uh, with the podcast, um, I have, you know, because I'm delivering so many episodes per week, um, three episodes a week is, is not a a trivial amount of content, right? Um, but I find that that the restriction itself has caused me to be more decisive. Uh, I don't have a choice, even if I feel a little bit unsure about a piece of content or an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more apt to move forward now because I know the cost of uh, of not delivering this content is significant. Right, mm-hmm. I have people who are uh, who are waiting on this content to be delivered on a on a almost daily basis. It's mm-hmm. not quite daily, but almost. Right, I have sponsors who are waiting on it to be delivered. So the thing that I'm uncertain about, uh, I have a I have now the more confidence that the idea will will stand on its own. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like keeping your funnel packed with leads as a freelancer or something. You always want to have <laughs> a bunch of people ready to go. And I, I noticed that when we booked our, our call for this interview, I you sent me a, a booking for the next day. And I was like, oh, okay, let's go. <laughs> let's get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's because it's part of that is because, you know, the it waxes and wanes and it's really difficult. So I will go through uh, a short period over the course of a weekend where I can produce 
six or eight episodes huh. and it's not always interviews sometimes it's it's monologue type episodes but yeah. i'll have a a huge burst of energy coming from reading something or and that's another kind of side point i wanted to make that the raw material that you put in your brain is so important but um for me raw material ends up being reading or listening to other people's podcasts or listening to the problems that the the developers of whiteboard are having all of that feeds this podcast every single time I, I do an episode it's coming out of something that i've either read or experienced um you know i'm not googling for things to talk about <laughs> that's not that's not the way it works but that's what i'm so impressed by not just this podcast but any business that's able to do this other podcasts too where you're able to harness that natural cycle of motivation yet you don't let it impact your release schedule. You still mm, yeah. somehow manage to do a certain amount of things per certain amount of weeks, but you still harness that motivational up and down flow, right? I think the way that you've structured the business is intriguing. I'm, I'm, I'm learning from people like that. I find it fascinating. Users have a lot of expectations of their applications. Uh, they expect them to be fast. They expect them to work everywhere. And they expect to be able to interact with your application in real time. Pusher, today's sponsor, allows you to build these real-time features directly into your application, and they make it basically trivial. Pusher is built on top of WebSockets. You can use pretty much any backend language that you want to use. PHP, Node, Ruby, ASP, Java, Python, Go. Those are the ones that they have featured on their homepage. And they say that pretty much any language, they have a library for it. So from any of those backend languages, you can trigger an event and effectively listen for those events on all of your clients, whether that is an iPhone app or a front-end web app. And you can respond to those events in real time. So an example of this, you could pretty easily implement a chat system, like for example, one of the big companies that uses Pusher, Intercom. You've probably heard of Intercom. Uh, other companies that use Pusher, the New York Times, GitHub, MailChimp, these uh, these companies are using Pusher for their real-time features. And you can get started today with a free account. Go and check it out, spec.fm slash pusher. That's spec.fm slash pusher. Thank you again to Pusher for sponsoring today's episode of Developer Tea. Yeah, I'm interested to know, you know, to talk a little bit more about your podcast, by the way, and and start here. I love this. So let me just go on a, a short rant. I love this basic idea of you have to start somewhere. You might as like not you might as well, but yeah. this is your place. Like yeah. there's the the most important thing is that you press the go button. This this falls in line with the philosophy that you've already presented. This idea that you know motion is 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 the most important thing, and people are so yeah. crippled by not starting. Yes, uh, far too often. So I'm really excited to talk about your podcast. I'd love to know a little bit more about you know the drive behind it and and what you know some of the stuff you're going to be talking about on the podcast. Well, like you mentioned, I think my main motivation is this sense of movement. Like there, one of these we talked about personality tests online a little bit. There's another one where they sort of try to evaluate what motivates you, and they do it in an interesting way. What they do is they give you a list of things that you feel the most jealous of somebody else about. And that's what, that's what their hypothesis is. That's what might motivate you the most. And for me, what I'm motivated the most 
therefore from that test was motion or momentum. And I think mm, that's why yeah. this brand so naturally fit with me, this start here concept. And a lot of my podcast topics, if you listen to the show, I'm not super technical in nature. A lot of the stuff that I talk about is more mindset related because mm -hmm. I find that you can Google anything and everybody knows that we've known that for years. It's all about why aren't you Googling right now? Like, mm -hmm. why yeah. aren't you doing it right now? That's the thing that stops people. It's not. And the other thing that stops people is our other mindset issues like, well, I don't know what to, there's too much to Google. OK, well, I'll give you a formula of a way to think about this, right, or a way to approach this so that you can apply it to this, but also to other areas of your life if you want. And, and originally when we created Start Here, it was with a buddy of mine who since left the, the network, but we were trying to, to build something that we could, you know, make it easy for somebody to start anything. You know, mm, and, and, yeah. you know, just even start here gardening and stuff like that. Like we envision this future where there's this media network perfect for people that just like want to start something new. You know, this, yeah. this concept of being in a rut is really painful. You know, I, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that get stuck in ruts and when you're in a rut, it's so painful. And I, I've been there so much, even day to day programming ruts and just the ability to have something new, something you can start to, to, to bring yourself out of that rut or a network specifically dedicated to that and the fundamentals and the high level thinking. I find that to be, I, I find, I found it to be missing at the time. I don't necessarily know if it's missing now. I think a lot of podcasts like yours, a lot of the episodes where you talk about this, the science of, of kind of some of the stuff we were talking about today, you know, mm -hmm, you talk yeah. about the different theories and stuff. I find that to be great because it's similar impact, I think, or sure. similar, similar effect. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I don't think there will ever be, um, a critical mass of, of content on, um, on reducing this, this barrier to entry. Hmm. It's a huge problem. And it actually, you know, the, the amazing thing is that the same fears persist even throughout your career. And for a lot of people, mm -hmm. um, this this idea of starting really every day you're starting. And, mm -hmm. and I know that sounds that sounds kind of catchphrasy, but um, every day, as long as you were hoping to grow. And this is exactly the mindset you were talking about, uh, the growth mindset. What was the uh, the opposite of the growth mindset? The fixed mindset. There you go. The fixed mindset. So you could be a high performer and you adopt a fixed mindset and suddenly you're facing the same problems, right? And we see that happen to, to colleagues of ours. It even happens to us. And it, it's like a constant war against your own brain to not go into fixed mindset. You know, I find, you know, let's say we're in a meeting and we're discussing something about security. You know, it's my natural mindset to be very much like guarded about our security and not mm. to be open to new technologies, right? Because that's the, that, but at the same time, we have to understand that's fixed mindset. And that's not, that's not allowing us to open to other technologies that might enhance our security. Just, yeah. you know, keeping our security at the same level it is now, technology around us is changing. That would be fine if things didn't change, but things do change. So therefore that's actually a suboptimal way to handle that, you know? And I mm. find that that's just a daily battle with, with pretty much every aspect of life, but yeah, that's that's definitely true. You know, this this concept that change is bad, we don't actively think that way, right? There's no one who is who is uh well, very few. I, I'm sure there are some people, but there are very few people, especially people who are working in technology who look at at change, uh, particularly, you know, progression 
um, new tools, new innovation, that kind of stuff. There's very few people who are in tech and say out loud on purpose, change is bad, right? Mm -hmm. Because change has made our careers possible. In the first place, uh, these tools that that haven't been around for, you know, I mean, it's you think about the iPhone being around for 10 years. And, um, you know, when I was born, 90 percent of the, the people that are working in the company that I work at, their job titles didn't even exist. You mm -hmm. know, and, and the other 10 percent are mostly management titles. And even in their form, they didn't exist. So we're talking about brand new stuff that's come about because of change. And yet we're still resistant to change every single day. And just to get back to that point of like what I think everybody being resistant to change is so negative. One interesting aspect when you, when you, you know, so for me, what I did was I decided I wanted to move to a different city every year, just as an experiment in completely altering my beliefs of, of what I could do. And I had a little bit of a family, like a cat and a, and a girlfriend too. So it was difficult. It wasn't just <laughs> something I could do easily, but sure. I wanted to try it just like those people that, that want to rent a van and, you know, kind of cruise up and down the coasts of, of Cali for a year to just experience yeah. that similar kind of thing. And I, I was like, okay, well, can I do this? And what ended up happening was I found that the more that I changed the more I realized that the only way to control your life is through constant change. So mm. th the only way to be okay with never changing is to be constantly changing and realizing that things are constantly changing. And once you sort of ingrain that into your mindset, it's kind of heady to talk about and not super yeah. practical, but when you kind of get that mindset and you ingrain it, um, you basically become a momentum machine. And, and that's somewhat powerful, especially if you're working in the startup world. I find that to be the mo the place it, it's the most uh, sort of fuel on the fire for that type of mind, that type of person. And here's, here's the, so the opposing viewpoint in terms of like uh, the, the traveling developer, which Dane, that's you in my mind. Now you're the traveling developer. Uh, the opposing view viewpoint is, is where I stand. Uh, I've been in the same place for seven years. But if you are, if you're like me and you have, uh, you know, a lot of commitments or you have a mortgage like I do, or that, there are things that, that you've decided, okay, well, um, these are, these are worth, uh, putting in roots for, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, that does not mean that you are discluded from this conversation by any stretch. True. Let, let's just go ahead and cover that base, uh, before somebody turns the podcast off thinking that, you know, <laughs> the only way to get ahead is to move to a new city every, every year. Uh, that's that's not the spirit of what we're saying. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, Dane, you agree with this. And, but and in fact, no jobs I took were in the city I moved. So let's just dispel that myth, right? I wasn't moving yeah, for yeah. the job. It was just as a sort of personal besting, you know. An of, exploration. Of, yeah, thing, personal right? exploration. And there's so many ways that, that you can change. You know, uh, if you if you look at um, kind of the the genesis of a lot of these ideas are – self-exploration or, mm -hmm. or uh, self, self-awareness. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of this stuff has been talked about for, for thousands of years, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it, this is not new uh, in, in terms of, uh, it's not new for people to have fear that is unfounded. It's also not new for, uh, for change to be important, right? And so a, a lot of this stuff, you can find it in, in ancient, uh, uh, like meditation techniques, for example, uh, they'll talk about observing change uh, mm -hmm. and observing your mind and understanding your fear. Mm -hmm. And 
And instead of being uh, the thing that you are feeling, you're observing the thing that you're feeling distantly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's a super powerful concept to, to recognize that, hey, wait a second, um, I am not a product of, of my situation. I can look at my situation and separate my my thinking away from it and again we're getting this is this definitely heady (laughs) more heady than the average uh episode but i I do think it's important i think it's important for people to take on that kind of responsibility to say you know what like this is this is not uh anyone else's responsibility and 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 it is mine my responsibility to do this and to have the level of of commitment to change that Dane has, even if it doesn't mean that you're going to pick up and move every every year, uh, that level of commitment is what's important. And just tactically, you can change one aspect of your life. You know, why is military boot camp so effective? Because they thrust you into this completely new environment. Yeah. So if you really feel like you're in a rut right now, it could be as simple as sort of going on a walk every day to someplace you've never been consistently for the next seven days. Just mm. as, a, as a little tactic. Another thing is a lot of the students that I work with, when they come to me and they say, I'm not programming per night as much as I want, a lot of the times it's the people around them. So yeah. a lot of the times when people are being not are not changing or something like that, it, it most of the time it's you. So take full ownership and full responsibility is probably you, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a little bit of other people rubbing off around you. Um, And I'm definitely not suggesting that you stop hanging out with people, but take a hard look at your social circle. That's one of the best things I was ever told. You know, the the whole you're the average of the five people you associate with most. I know everybody knows that sort of cliche, but guess what? It's so true. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's negativity. So if you're if you're a little bit too negative, get rid of that one negative friend. You know, if you're yeah. not a little, it, here's the thing. If you're not motivated enough, get around motivated people. It'll, it'll just exponentially boost you. That wraps up the second part of my interview with Dane Miller. And uh, I'm so excited that I haven't had a chance to talk with Dane. Of course, Dane's ideas and my ideas mixed together. You can see we're different people with very similar uh, outlooks and value sets. And I challenge you to forge your own way of being uh, action-minded, being growth-minded. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I also challenge you to share it with another person uh, that you think you can have a critical conversation about this episode with. I challenge you to do this in the previous episode. And perhaps you take it to the same person and say, hey, you know, this this uh, second part of this same interview, uh, I'd like to talk with you about, you know, the value of perhaps moving around, being a nomad. Uh, definitely would love to hear about these conversations that you're having. You can reach out to me at developerT at gmail.com. You can always join the spec Slack community, spec.fm slash Slack. And you can always find me on Twitter at, at developerT. Thank you again to today's incredible sponsor, Pusher. If you are trying to get some real-time features in your application and you're trying to home roll uh, some of these things, then you probably know it's pretty tough to do on your own. Pusher makes that architecture incredibly simple. Just a few lines of code can get you up and rolling and you can get started for free by going to spec.fm slash pusher. Thank you again to Pusher for sponsoring today's episode of Developer Tea. And until next time, enjoy your tea.